0: it's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends well it's about to get real as we have radically authentic
1: conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human Buckle up, because this might get
0: uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Jason and I have this friend who was really struggling for, I would say, a week or two. Does that sound right?
1: Oh, yeah. It felt yeah.
0: concentrated within a few days. It felt like there was a lot of struggle happening. And then before and after those few days, it felt very challenging. And this friend went on a trip to another country, and it seems like she's been completely, well, maybe not completely, but she's she's been transformed in a way. And I, I guess it seems really obvious to me that that was going to happen. I mean, I figured that if you're going to go where she went... <laughs> which is a pretty spiritual place, I would say, right? Yeah. Then I'm kind of surprised that she was surprised at the outcome. Does that make sense?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it makes perfect
2: sense.
0: And so it got me thinking about how a lot of the times we can just get so in our own heads, especially when we're feeling a lot of suffering, a lot of pain. And our friends from the outside can see that it's going to pass, and they have faith in this, and they, they just are, feel very calm about it. But when it's us, mm. it feels like it might never end, right?
1: Yeah, pain has a weird component sometimes of amnesia. Yes. Where when we are in pain or we're in suffering, I think that there's an interesting mental component of it where it feels like that is all there is and it will never end.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And the
1: amnesia part to me, when we're in that state, feels almost like we've forgotten that the last time we felt this level of suffering or our world being ripped apart or confusion or anxiety or stress, that that passed and Mm -hmm. it did pass and it will pass. But it's odd, right? When we're in the depth of that pain, we as humans have this tendency to forget that it's going to pass. And it was really interesting with
0: this specific friend, though. I was actually very surprised that she was struggling so much because she kind of struck me as somebody that had so many tools and experiences. Yeah. And age, she's older than both of us, that I think sometimes we just assume that people who have their lives together aren't going to go through those tough times, right? Or they'll be able to snap out of it very quickly. But it's not the case, actually. People struggle at every part of their lives at some point. I mean, we just have these highs and lows throughout our whole lives which can feel maybe frustrating or I think maybe this is when people think, well, what's the point? I don't want to live a long life. I'm always going to feel suffering. You know, suffering's never going to end. I could see how you could really spiral out. Yeah. And you just think, wow. I mean, I've actually had those thoughts recently. There have been these moments of I have no desire to end my life to that extreme, right? But there are times where it's it's not even it's not an extreme as far as um, wanting to do harm to myself or not believing that life matters. But it's more about it's kind of hard to verbalize. Do
1: you you want to just escape the pain, escape the moment? It's not that you want to end yourself or you want to end your life. It's just you. Is it an escapism?
0: I've, ha- I've definitely had those thoughts, but it's also a thought when I've come out of that period of, well, it's just going to happen again.
1: <laughs> oh, that's what I mean. I see. Like and I've I survived think, this, but I know there'll be another moment.
0: Exactly. And that's, that's mm. a really interesting part about getting older. Because I think for me, I had this idea growing up. And maybe this, I don't know if this is something that is perpetuated in our society. Jason and I have never talked about this, that as far as I can recall, so it'd be interesting to hear your take on this, Jason, but also anybody else's take, is that I wonder if other people have had the idea that when you get older, things are just going to fall into place, and it's kind of like this idea of getting somewhere. You know, and and that is perpetuated in our society in, in some major ways, but I'm also talking about this on a subtle level. So in the major ways, and I've I've been thinking about this so much lately. It's it's kind of blowing my mind because I don't think I've ever actually thought this before. And and let me just pause to say it's a perfect example <laughs> of how we never know where our minds are gonna take us. This is such a new thought process for me that it's also a great example of how our minds evolve in surprising ways. And I guess this is helping me understand our friend better because maybe when I feel like my mind is shifting in such a radical way and maybe looking at things sometimes more pessimistically than pessimistically, pessimists.
1: Yeah, pessimistically. Pessimistically? Okay. (laughs) Or with more pessimism.
0: Yes, there you go. That's rare for me too. I tend to be very optimistic. I would still describe myself as an optimist, but sometimes my thoughts feel pessimistic in a way that I haven't experienced much of before. And I guess that was part of my surprise with our friend, because our friend tends to be very optimistic. So when she gets pessimistic,
1: I just think, "Whoa!" Yeah, sound the alarm.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of it's crazy, you know, when somebody somebody that you're. Used to being a certain frame of mind goes the other side. And it just is such a great reminder of us as human beings, how most of us go through those periods. Sometimes we just don't verbalize it,
1: right? That's true,
0: so coming back around, I think one thing that's been coming up for me, maybe it was because I just had a birthday. <laughs> and I think the older we get, the birthdays seem to be these bigger milestones. And this wasn't even like a big milestone birthday. But maybe I was just in that state of, well, another year older officially. Anyways, I was reflecting on how growing up is this idea of, well, I'm going to get to college and then I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to get this career. And then maybe I'll reach this goal and I'll have these experiences. And it was kind of like this finite idea. When I think back to my goals and dreams as a kid, one of them was like living in Los Angeles and I live there now. Cool. Check off the box, right? And also, these dreams of making a movie or that whole film career that I was pursuing for a long time. But what did I, I never really thought about what was going to happen after those things. I didn't actually make a movie in the big sense that I thought of as a kid. I've been involved with a lot of movies and television shows and all sorts of projects over time and in kind of smaller capacities. But even so, it's, It's almost like if you combine all those experiences, they would amount to that big experience I had in my head. Mm -hmm. But it's really interesting to think back on the way that I was framing my life as a kid. It was kind of like, well, if I just, I'm going to make it one day, right? Yeah. The other big thing that I I know a lot of people tend to think about as kids is, well, especially as a woman, I think, I'm sure, and Jason can chime in with the male perspective, or his male perspective, to be more precise, as a kid, I just kind of assumed that I would get married and have children. And now I'm at a point where I have no idea if that's going to happen. Yeah. But as a kid, it was a given for me. It was just what was going to happen. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I'm in this place where I have never been married and I don't have any children. And I'm okay with that. But it's really weird to me sometimes to think that that has not happened yet, and I have no idea if it's going to. And the older I get, the more that I think, hmm, it's very possible I may not have kids biologically. Who knows how long I'll even be able to, right? And that's fine. I'm actually fine with that. I think, who knows that that feeling could fluctuate. But it's just really interesting when when you get to a certain age and. You start to think, wow, a lot of the things I assumed were going to happen in my life have not happened yet. And these are big things. Mm. Like marriage and children are really big things. And our society perpetuates these ideas that they're given for most people. Even just finding a romantic partner that you're going to be with long-term, marriage or not, I feel like it's a given in society. Don't you? Like it's just... Well, of course, like as human beings, it's, it's like this subtle thing that plays out that Mm -hmm. we're all striving for in a way. And then anybody who's not married or not in a committed relationship or says they don't want kids or says that they don't want to be in a relationship, they seem to be like the odd ones.
1: Yeah. There's a certain amount of social ostracization that happens with those people. It's like, what do you mean? You don't, What, what do you mean? You're not with someone? What do you mean? What do you mean? Like.
0: You don't want to be, you don't or, want to be yeah. what do
1: you mean. And I don't know that people intend to ostracize those with beliefs that are not in alignment with what society says you ought to do or ought to want. But I think this increases a lot of pressure in people's minds of, especially, you know, the time bound mind of I'm a certain age and I haven't checked off the boxes that society has told me I ought to check off by this time. Some people start to get into a frenzy and feel a lot of pressure to find someone, to have those kids, to, I mean.
0: I think that's part of what's going on with our friends, though. And I actually didn't even mean to get to that point when I brought her up.
1: Interesting. No, you're. you're, (laughs) Because my initial
0: point was to talk about how she has had this kind of emotional breakthrough and now she's, like I said, transformed in some way. Right, whether, her state. Right, her, her state, state of
1: being has transformed. Yes, that's that's. I don't what I know mean. about her as a.
0: No, I, I meant the what you the just state said. of yes, being. Yes, exactly. Yes. So, so that was actually what I, why I was bringing her up. But now it somehow led me to this idea of how we just have no idea what's going to go on in our lives, and it's
2: actually like <laughs> making me feel emotional. Why? Mm. Is it the uncertainty of it? Is it the beauty that we don't know? It's not a sad emotional. Oh. It's, um... Yeah, I don't feel sad about it. It's just, it's like a strong emotion. It's almost like a simultaneous feeling of being more... at the
0: truth of life, I guess, and less tied into what I thought I wanted. Mm. or It's like, you know, we've, we've been talking a lot personally, Jason and I, about this, and I think we've talked about it a bit in a few of the episodes, but there's this, it ties into that idea of surrender, of letting go about the of the ways that you think life should be, hmm. and surrendering to just what is, and I think that's why that's making me feel emotional right now is I'm recognizing like, I feel like that's what's going on here, because a lot of the time we feel disappointment its it's as we've said in at least two other episodes, I feel like this just keeps coming up for us, but it's uh about expectation Hmm. you know that's where a lot of the pain is 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 things aren't going as planned and i i I bet you that that's part of the pain that our friend is experiencing absolutely and i think that's something i can really relate to as well so it's also funny that we started off this podcast with me saying how i was surprised but i guess a lot of the times seeing people go through things that we can relate to is really helpful for us because it helps us step outside of ourselves. So if I can see her as being a really strong person that's going through a tough time and me feeling a bit perplexed, like, how is she going through such a hard time? It seems like she's got everything not figured out, but she just seems like such a grounded person that has gone through so much. Like, And it's just a reminder that it's not about all of our experiences and our knowledge We still struggle no matter what. And there's nothing wrong with that. And it's usually very temporary, but I guess temporary is relative to things. I think my bigger point is that a lot of things have been coming up for me in my life that have kind of forced me to surrender and forced me to just say, I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Right? And. Even though that has felt painful at times, it also feels like such a gift because it's kind of nice when you're forced to do something that you that if something is really hard, we tend to resist it. Right. Mm -hmm. But when we're forced to do it, if we don't have a quote unquote choice, then we just have to deal with it. And the resistance melts away. And that's actually what's an interesting thing is resistance is generally something that our brains are creating for ourselves. We're choosing to resist something. Yes. So when things seem like they're falling apart, it's actually such a great gift because if we don't have control, then in a way we don't have resistance to it. The only resistance that we're experiencing is the emotional resistance of it of letting go. And maybe that's where the pain is as well, is that we feel pain, and that's just, maybe the pain is the resistance. Mm. And it's like the letting—maybe that's why I felt emotional about it, because it just—it it does feel painful. I mean, I, I feel some level of emotional pain about this a lot recently, and yet I also feel really grateful for it, because it's just forcing me to go in a direction I didn't think I even wanted to go
2: in. <laughs> I think that there's reality, and there's our thoughts about reality. And again, to paraphrase you, saying we hearken back to subjects we've talked about on the
1: podcast before. I just think there, there's such this interesting human drive to have certainty and to have safety and have security and try our best to predict
2: what's going to happen next.
1: But if I, you know, if I look back on hmm. <laughs> where I thought I was going to be right now. I mean, it's interesting that you, you kind of, you, you bring that up, you know, I think about, okay, whatever by this age or this stage of life, right. I thought that I would be more famous, more successful in my relationship, have more money, live in a big house with, you know, my wife, my life partner, you know, I definitely had I had this vision, you know, and, and I think one of the reasons why for me, um, like you remember when the TV series got canceled is I had this idea. I don't
0: assume the listener knows about that.
1: Okay. So, so I, I, I had a TV series on the cooking channel and food network Canada for uh, one season. It was called how to lift 100. And, and I mean, the excitement was, first of all, I had been, I had had that on my manifestation Mm -hmm. board for five years that I wanted a TV series. And so it was this incredible moment of, oh my God, you know, think about the craziest thing you want. I want to host a TV series, not just a TV series. I want it to be the first primetime vegan cooking show in, in history. And it was, and, and, and the feeling was overwhelm and excitement. And oh my God, this actually happened. This crazy thing I put on my manifestation board that I'd been asking for and praying for, for five, half a decade came like a mind blowing moment for, it was overwhelming to a degree.
2: And I also had an idea that this was going to be this
1: pivotal moment in my life and career that was going to explode me into the mainstream that I was going to be on the level of a Jamie Oliver or an Alton Brown or a guy Fieri like i my next step was like taking over the food network and having all these book deals and we were in talks for having a um, a whole line of products and cookware. I don't even know if you knew that. Like
2: hmm. there were
1: there were these talks yeah. of like we're going to take the archetype and the system <laughs> of how we build a celebrity chef and you're going to be the next big thing. Like that, mm-hmm. that was the direction it was heading.
0: And also this was a interesting time because this is also when Jason and I got closer and eventually started dating. I remember you telling me about the TV show in it must have been september 2012
1: yeah because we had already shot the pilot at that point
0: yes but it was still a secret
1: yeah i couldn't talk about it
0: yeah you you were able to like tell me as a secret and so i got to see jason go through all of this all the ups and downs i even auditioned to be on the television show she did i really feel like i would have been good on that show
1: agreed you Agreed. know,
0: like
1: <laughs> you would have been a good sunny. I really,
0: I really wish that that had happened. As a side note, I wonder. It's so interesting. That's not another example of of feeling like you're meant for something, but not getting it. You know. Yeah. I don't like have major regrets about it, but it does make me a little sad that I didn't get that role.
2: It I forgot about that completely. Been really by fun. the way, I
0: think it was tough though because Jason and I. I always wondered if they didn't cast me because. A, I wasn't a working actress, but B, because we were dating.
2: Who's so, like, t- who there knows? was like
0: prejudice around it, but like the whole role was about the chemistry between the two of us.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, anyways, I feel like I would have nailed it.
1: <laughs> I wonder if the audition video is still out there somewhere. It's probably still on the computer. Yeah, it's probably oh, still on the computer. I, I have it. Amazing.
0: I, I Amazing. haven't watched it in a while, but it's, yeah, it's on one of my YouTube channels. And it's not public, so no one's going uh-huh. go looking for it uh-huh. unless we decide to make it public. <laughs> but it would be kind of awkward to go back because i think jason and i always had this is such a side note but we had this trend of me being really awkward in any of his videos because i think i was just still finding my place in your life i mean at the very, when i when i was dating you in the in back then i felt nervous around you it's so it's so funny Oh, I told, I was like, I felt, I don't know if it was just where I was in 2012 and 13, or I just hadn't felt comfortable with you, but man, I felt so nervous around you at times. Oh, wow.
1: Interesting. (laughs) Interesting.
0: (laughs) Did you know that? Not really. Really? No. What do you mean, not really? You knew a little bit? I
1: mean, on camera in certain like public situations, but I didn't know it was kind of this generalized state for you. That's fascinating (laughs) to me.
0: I mean, I bring that up also to show how things evolve, right? I mean, two thousand and twelve versus two thousand and nineteen, wow. and you and I also had no idea what was in store for us
1: no right I mean, no, did no. you
0: think that we were gonna stay friends at certain points?
1: I don't know i mean I, I to be honest, I didn't really think about that part too much, you know um
0: but we I guess the big point is we had no idea, and no, I, I don't even know if i things. ever if I did have thoughts of like we're not going to talk i don't know and we broke went through our breakups and all that stuff i don't i don't know it's really interesting i mean but our relationship just evolved in it unfolded in so many ways i never could have predicted even if i had tried to think about it yeah. right i think well, i was actually quite present to our dynamic the entire time yeah
1: yeah and i and i think what you're saying about being able to predict things we just we can't you know we try with everything. We try and figure out how somebody's feeling or predict how someone's going to feel. We try and predict. I mean, think about this. You should also
0: go back to your story of the television uh, show too. I I
1: will, but I want (laughs) to end on this tangential point of this tangent is one of the, I mean, there's so many examples, but the one that came up for me of we can't accurately predict what's going to happen is I think about all the times when I've had to, had to, chose to have an uncomfortable conversation with someone a breakup conversation, or, you know, you hurt me or resigning from a position or quitting a job. It's uncomfortable moments and uncomfortable conversations we need to initiate. And I think part of the discomfort or the fear that I have felt in those moments was thinking or predicting or assuming that I knew how that other person was going to respond. Right. And so often, if I really think about it, yeah, there's been moments where the other person was very upset or sad or heartbroken or whatever. But there's also been as many moments where the person on the other end was like felt the exact same way or they were relieved mm-hmm. or they were like, oh, my God, I've been thinking the exact. Thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. So this attempt to predict or assume what's going to happen is a complete fallacy of existence. And yet we are so very conditioned to want to try and do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But back to the TV series. So my idea and talking about assuming things. You know, it was just set up in this, my mind, right? And this was of my own volition, but I was also surrounded by, you know, the production company and, you know, Food Network and Cooking Channel and my in agents. 2012. And this was 12 to 14. Right. And just, it, it was like this collective pumping up of, you know, this is the first step and, you know, you're going to get a product line and then we're going to bump you up to Food Network and you're going to go to Pebble Beach Food and Wine and blah, blah you know, all the things like- this is how we create a celebrity chef. We're just going to put you in the machine and see mm-hmm. what it pops out. Mm-hmm. And I bought, I, I drank the Kool Aid too, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> As a chef, to have a TV series, mm-hmm. that's insane. It's in, it's still insane. I mean, I still think about. I had a TV series. It's insane. Well,
0: you have. It, well, it, it exists, it, it's, and it it's it's still, still runs.
1: It does. Yes.
0: And I would really like to rewatch it after all it's, these years. Oh my god!
1: <laughs> Before I knew how to grow facial hair, um, <laughs> jail bait.
0: You can get it on Amazon, you know.
1: You can. You can download it on iTunes, too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but we'll
0: link to that in the show
1: notes. We will. We will. <laughs> we appreciate your patronage and viewership. I just, For me, it was this thing of it needs to be this thing. We want to build this juggernaut. We're going to make you the first vegan celebrity chef, blah, 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 all that stuff, right? And in your mind, you have this idea of how you think life is going to go and that this was going to be, you know how you would talk about I've made it. My Mm -hmm. big break. Mm -hmm. I've made it. I did it. I climbed to the top of the mountain in my mind. That's what I built it up to be. Mm. And then after the first season was on, you know, early summer of 2014, you know, I got a call from this was spring, summer, right around there. I
0: thought it it aired twice. Didn't it? It Did the pilot and there was a gap.
1: There was a pilot and there was a gap. And then the first season came on and the first season came on in January of 2014.
0: Did it? No. Yes,
1: it did. Wow. Yeah, because we shot the pilot in 2012. The pilot was on in January of 2013. And then it was a whole year before season Whoa. one went on the air.
0: Well, because I was there for both of the parties. You yeah. Had, you had the premiere party at that, what was that cafe?
1: Marika Cafe or that it was, was organic, a really cool. organic bar. That was a, that was a yes. cool place. And, and then, then second the second part one was, was Gardein headquarters. Garden. headquarters. right. right. <laughs> so it was an entire year between the pilot episode and the, the full first season being on. Mm-hmm. So...
0: And then, so you're saying what I remember, I was there at your place. I'm fairly certain that I was at your place when you got the call that the show was canceled.
1: No, you weren't. I was alone.
0: Mm-mm. I was there for some big moment.
1: Mm-mm. I was alone I feel, for that. Was
0: it the book? There was something that I just remember very distinctly. You came down the stairs from your office in Glendale. Yeah. And you were just like falling apart. You were just devastated.
1: Might have been when they pulled the first book deal, because I know I know I was alone when the TV series got canceled. And so, where
0: were you? Tell me, remind so, yeah. me of that, because I I'm wondering yeah. Spoiler when you alert:
1: the-, the series got canceled. Everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you have talked about after it after one season, if, the but, past, the, re- but yeah. the
1: listeners might not know. Okay, so. but
0: so remind me where you were. Like, where was I when you got that news? Then
1: you weren't th- I remember I was up in my office on the second floor. And I was during talk. the
0: day or it
1: was day. Yeah. Are you sure I you, wasn't there? No, you weren't hundred percent. You weren't. Trust mm-hmm. me. I know this. It, we, for whatever reason. Did you reason, tell
0: me in person or did you tell me like, when did you tell no, me? No,
1: I, t- I think I told you over the phone. Really? Yeah. Because, cause it was, it was, I needed time to process it, man. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where it was like, I'm just going to call and like tell people like I needed to like integrate that. Cause it was heartbreaking, you know, to have, it was heartbreaking for two reasons. Okay. It was heartbreaking because when you invest years into manifesting something and years into creating something and then it's halted or interrupted or in my mind taken away from you after all of that manifesting an intention and and you know hours on set and creating writing the episodes and you know rehearsing and learning the lines i mean it was a lot mm-hmm. to go in it was massive mm-hmm. and then yep we're done we're not doing anymore like it, it it was it was it was as if someone had stuck a knife into me like, it was a visceral, physical pain. Who and
0: told you and what did they say?
1: It was one of the, it wasn't the head of, Um, it wasn't the head of Cooking Channel. It was, scripts. Um, it, was it wasn't was the head of Scripps. It was, Um. so the person who greenlit the show and gave me my TV contract, he actually quit the Cooking Channel and was replaced by someone else.
0: Was his name Michael?
1: That was the CEO of Cooking Channel. Okay. Was Michael. Okay. Yeah. Good, good memory. Yeah. Um.
0: I remember what he looks like so too.
1: She was a new person ish, right? She wasn't the original person who like signed my deal. He mm-hmm. left and she came in. Mm-hmm. So she was like um a director of programming, I think. And yeah, she she just, you know, she said our viewers want burgers, brats and beer. And
0: Well, maybe that's the name of the next show.
1: Maybe it is Burgers, Brats and Beer. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> and the and the Maybe it is.
0: The catch is that it's all vegan.
1: Yeah, but we don't call it vegan because <laughs> exactly. Because, yeah, what
0: if you what if you just came up with an idea for another project? Burgers, brats and beer. That Those are her exact words. You remember?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it just, was it was just and, and and she said, you know, we from a programming perspective and to keep our advertisers and, and the way our business model works is, you know, we need to give keep giving people what they want. And my response was as I hear you and as one of the major I mean, scripts is huge, right? Mm-hmm. As one of the people who are dictating public taste in media, you have the power to recondition people and give them things that are going to shift their appetites. Mm -hmm. So it's this thing of, you you know, in my mind, you keep feeding the monster, right? We want burgers, we want barbecue, we want beer, we want brats, we want other things that start with B. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Or you shift the narrative because you have the power to do it. And so to me, it was a bit of a, I understand from a business model, but it's also a bit of a cop-out because of the power you guys have to put new programming on and shift the conversation. And it was just a ratings thing. It was like the ratings weren't high enough. Okay, I get that. But the part that annoyed me was was we're just giving people what they want. And I'm like, yes, but you're also influencing people to desire certain things. Mm -hmm. So my point is, though, it was not only the heartbreak of me investing literally years into this thing that I dreamed about for so long, but it was the expectation I had built up that this was going to be. The turning point in my career in my life. Did I was you already gonna have be, your book gonna, deal at that point? I didn't. I didn't. So the book deal came after. How soon?
0: At, wasn't it like right around the same time?
1: It was all parallel. Yeah. I, you we were, were we negotiating
0: were the big book deal while you still had the show, gonna, and then you got let go. Yes,
1: I'm going to name names, and I don't care.
0: <laughs> well, let,
1: do no, you really want? No, no name not names? human names. Oh. like Like names of companies. Okay. I'm not going to name human names. Okay. I'm going to just name names of companies. So I had a interest and an, like an offer extended to me like we want to do this from uh, the world
0: can, can you give me the timeline just what these months were do you remember approximately it
1: was again i said spring to early summer it was this was like this was like april through june of 2014
0: so you were okay. in this place of you have the show the shows feel, on the air you feel i feel like top of the oh, world oh my
1: god yeah and the book proposal was done the book proposal was badass whose it idea
0: was, was the book proposal
1: me. Okay, I wrote so it. you
0: wanted to write the. You already had the show. The show's done, and now you're just waiting to see if it
1: gets renewed. Oh, and the interest and you, was massive because I've got the series on the air. So, right. My agent at the time um, was pitching the book, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, he's got a series!" Like people were right. salivating. The publishers were salivating because yes. I had a series on the air.
0: So the agents shopping the book around mm-hmm. to all these different publishers,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and you've the show, and so everything feels great, and then you got this offer, correct? From one publisher?
1: It was interest heading toward an offer.
0: Okay. While you still had the show or had the show been canceled when you had that offer?
1: They, The conversation, initial conversation with the publisher happened, show got canceled, and then the follow-up conversation with my manager at the time told the publisher his show just got canceled, <gasps> oh, and so they pulled the offer.
0: Really? I don't remember it happening. I thought you turned out. Didn't you turn down an offer? I
1: did. It wasn't that one. The very first. Uh, so, so, so this was the largest cookbook publisher in the world. Like this was the one that like it. you do a cookbook with them and it's like, damn,
0: maybe this is damn. my memory of you coming. Down. Like, I just, I have this very distinct memory of you coming down the stairs. It was during the day. This, I remember the sun, the, the way it was hitting the light and you were just a wreck.
1: It probably was that deal. Yeah, because that was that was like you know because it, what what it felt like was, oh, uh, we want the hot new star on the cooking channel. Oh, you don't have the series anymore. Actually, we don't want to do a book with you. It oh, was that true. was like dude, that time was f- fucking brutal. And you it and was I was fucking brutal. You
0: and I were also I don't know if it had started yet, but our relationship was
1: dissolving at that time. Yeah, too. it was, it was. And I, that, that, that whole period, man, the spring and early summer of 2014 was like, it, that's when I it? wanted to kill myself. I mean, look, I'm not going to, I've told this story so many times, the podcast listeners. I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. I can't deal with this because it was the pain and confusion of our, our romantic relationship ending and going through transition. It was the first book deal getting revoked. It was the series getting canceled. It was like, I, I just wanted to die. I wanted to die. I didn't want to be here anymore.
0: How do you feel now looking back? Like I, I can tell that you're remembering the feelings, but does it still evoke, what does it evoke in you now?
1: I don't feel sadness around it. You know, it's not, I'm not, I'm not doing like sense memory where I'm like back in that place.
0: Well, you're not trying to, but, but sometimes when we think about painful periods yeah, they hurt.
1: But it it still. just it 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 reminds me of the original point of kind of what we're saying is we don't know what wants to be, we don't know what's going to happen. And the expectation I had built up around so many things, you know? Just just this is this is where the train is heading. This is how it's going. Feel, yeah, hell yeah, we're doing, you know we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what life wants for us, but more than that, you know, that in, I've had many low points and I've had a lot of depression. I was around this time. I was actually went to a naturopathic doctor and a psychologist, and I was diagnosed with clinical depression. They're like your clinic, you know, that was the
0: same year, 2000. Yeah. And
1: I don't know that. I I don't want to make this podcast about that because we could do a separate episode on that because it's, it's, that's such a deep topic of my diagnosis and what I've been going through the last five years with depression.
0: But, well, I'm just gonna say but, right now for uh, the record, for both of us as creators, but also for listeners, I think something that I'm really feeling while doing this episode is that I think you and I have it in our heads that we have to separate out topics from episode to episode. But the whole point of this is a conversation, so a, no, it's we can point. repeat ourselves, we point. can talk about things over and over again, and you don't have to save a, something that you want to say no i just, no i i
1: more accurate thing is like i don't know that i want to go down that rabbit hole at this moment sure of like let's talk about jason's depression what he's I, I just i to be honest i'm not feeling like extrapolating that conversation at this Fair. moment just don't feel like it but yeah but i just want to give you permission in thank case you, you want to thank it. you no i appreciate <laughs> that and and um what was my point that i was trying to make um
0: well do you want to go back to that Do you want to finish the story? So you get denied from this big publisher and your show deal is canceled simultaneously.
1: Yeah. So one season on the air, they're like, we're not doing a second season. We're canceling the show. Okay. You know, then the book deal gets pulled and then it was kind of a scrambling of, okay, who else do we pitch to? Like what other publishers do we pitch to? And then I had a, okay, I had a certain amount of money in mind that I wanted for the advance based Mm -hmm. on other people in our industry who had graciously told me how much they made. And I'm like, well, I'm the shit. So I (laughs) at least deserve that much money. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And plus it was also this, um, you know, universe, God, why don't, you know, please like throw me a bone here. Like I've just been, been, you know, had my book deal revoked and had the show canceled. Like, dude, I need a big payday right now. Like, give me something, give me something. Okay. And, you know, the, the, the book deal that came through after the first one got revoked was like, it was not as much money as I wanted. And I knew they, I knew, look, I knew they could offer me more money. It was one of those things where it's like, come on, dude, I'm, you know, was it ego? Sure. Was it me wanting to have some sort of like silver lining and all of those experiences? Absolutely. You know, and I passed on that deal and I eventually chose, you know, to go with Hay House. And that was a wonderful experience. Hay House was a great publisher, but I, it was just, it was such a tumultuous, tumultuous time. And then, you know, through that process, my manager at the time who ac- actually you met cause we were walking mm-hmm. through the neighborhood here. That's right. um, he, Which is
0: also, can we pause just to say how crazy that is? Yeah, that
1: was batshit. shit. That was crazy. Um, yeah. A couple months ago we were walking around Whitney's neighborhood and I ran into my old manager who I hadn't seen in five years, just ran into him randomly. And it was like a trip.
0: He lives over here. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. yeah. He
1: lives in your neighborhood. But, you know, after that whole thing went down with the series and the book deal, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to manage you anymore because I'm going to focus on his and I whatever his thing was like, I'm going to focus on my sports clients exclusively. And I'm like, that's fine. But it was like it was the feeling of being having your ass kicked so brutally by life and you're trying to get up and you just get kicked in the face and you try and get up and you get kicked in the face. And again, you try to get up and you get kicked. And it was just this, like, what is happening? What in the name of God is happening right now? Like that, that I, you know, like I was going to say, I've gone through rough times. We all have, but that was an interesting period where it felt like I could not get back on my
2: feet.
0: Can I tell you something? It, it was
2: insane. This
0: is bringing up for me, this odd fear <laughs> okay, <laughs> because I'm sitting here going, you know, the story is so powerful. I feel like so many people have these moments in their lives where everything falls apart at once. Yeah, and in my yeah. head, I'm thinking, I don't know if I've had that. Does that mean that it's inevitable Does- <laughs> <laughs> that there's going to be a part of my life where where everything falls apart in a way that it never has before? Like, and I'm I'm bringing that up because there's no way to know the answer to it. But it is interesting to observe the fear of, is mm. that going to happen? Is that imminent? Or has it not happened because I didn't put everything on the line? I think one of the lessons that we can learn from things like this is that
1: you can only make it so far through a podcast before the dog <laughs> starts to criff off.
2: Is that the lesson? Yes.
0: Jason and I are trying to make a decision about when to stop recording... And I kind of don't want to stop, so I hope that she just stops barking. She usually does. It doesn't usually last that long, so I'm just trying to buy some hey. time.
1: Hey. It's just the momentum. We're the, hey, 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 we're in the middle of making a point about life, <laughs> which is also, again, unpredictability, and we have no idea what's going to happen <laughs> yet again. Life exactly, shows us that. yes. Okay, be quiet, please. Thank you. It's Ooh. also amusing
0: to me. She's very perplexed as to why we're sitting in the closet. Yeah, she doesn't you know, understand. She doesn't get it. I she'll get used to it eventually. But anyways, I'm just going to keep talking cuz I I know that her barking doesn't last very long and who knows if anybody's even bothered by it. So, my point being is that this what I reflect back on that story is a it comes back to the very first point that I made at the beginning of this, which is when you're sharing all of this even though I was very intimately in your life at that time, I don't even remember you being that upset. It's really fascinating to me because my perception of you was that you had a few times, like I'm I'm recalling that time coming down the stairs and I remember that that time at yoga that you and I have shared a few times and there there's like a couple times in my head, maybe more than a couple, but a few times in my head where you were struggling. But as you're sharing the story, it sounds like that struggle was going on for quite a long time. I just wasn't fully aware of it. And it's just kind of amazing how a lot of people are going through, can go through rough times in their lives and, and other people have no idea.
2: Yeah. Right? Well, well, there's a but sense there's of shame one around
0: other it
1: you know? Yes. There was a sense of shame. or That's why I didn't really let on that. What was really happening? Cause there was, a, there was shame around it.
0: Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to say is that, you know, when I was saying here saying that, I wonder if this will happen to me one day and it's kind of scary to think about it. I mean, who wants to go through a time in their life where everything falls apart? I think I probably have gone through it in small ways, you know, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm not saying that I haven't struggled. It's just that the way you're describing it these are a lot of big things falling apart and part of me also thinks well maybe it was because you were doing really big things that a lot of people don't do Interesting. right is that you were so fortunate to have a tv show period right you were fortunate to get a, a book deal and have a manager and an, like all of that stuff happening that that is fortune right there you know and and so sometimes I think that's the other side of it, coming back to what I started talking about at the beginning, is how I've had a lot of big dreams for myself, and I'm, I'm very satisfied with my life, even though, as I was saying earlier, it hasn't gone exactly like I thought it was going to. But I, I haven't had a, my own television show, you know? Mm-hmm. So even just to have it for a season is, is amazing really incredible to have a book i mean i've written a couple books and self-published them i'm working on my third who knows what's going to happen with that one but it's it's a lot of work and it's commitment and i remember how much work you put into that book and now you're considering doing another one and Mm -hmm. you know these are just all incredible things so part of my point is not just to make it very personal to jason but It's just so interesting. It's all about how we frame things. Absolutely. You know, it's a lot of the things that are really upsetting to us are things other people would say, well, I know this hurts, but wow, it's amazing that you even got to experience that. It's similar to love in that sense, you know, it's amazing to have love. It's amazing to have a connection with somebody. That's something that I've been thinking about so much lately is and going back to the very the way that i started this episode which was how as a kid i just assumed that i was going to meet this man that i would marry and everything was just perfect right and then you get older and you realize okay relationships are hard and nothing's perfect but do, do you remember this jason like like did you as a kid i well i guess our family lives were different to be fair right yeah is that my parents are still together And I grew up in a very small town, very quiet, very, it was kind of like, I like to compare it to Gilmore Girls. I don't know if you've ever watched that show, but Mm -hmm. at least you have the idea of it was just like this quaint town where everybody knew each other. It was very small. I grew up in like that idealistic American (laughs) type of environment with a good family unit. And I didn't want for nothing. As what, What is the phrase? Yeah. I didn't want for nothing. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. So. For me, I guess it was a little, it was simple for me to just think, oh, well, I'm going to get married and I'm going to have all this stuff too, just like my parents. Sure, sure. (laughs) Because I'm going to have a nice house and the kids and and it's just going to be this way. And even as my ideas about being a woman evolved and I became very independent and very career focused, all that stuff, I still, for so many years, just assumed it was only a matter of time Until I meet someone and get married and have kids with them. Mm -hmm. And then in the last few years as I've gone, or more than that, maybe last 10 years as I've gone through different relationships and all of that and gotten older, more and more I start wondering, well, maybe I won't have kids, but I'll probably still get married. But recently, I mean, very recently, it was just this thought of, wow, it's not a given. I have no idea if I'm going to get married. And I have no idea if if I do get married that I'll stay married, right? There. And it's going to be like this perfect relationship and all that. I mean, it's probably because I'm getting older, I'm having more experiences, but I'm also watching other people of my age and relationships and realizing how hard it was. And it's like this breaking, this is probably why I was crying earlier. It's almost like my view on life has been shattered in both a beautiful and a heartbreaking way is that. I'm recognizing that a lot of these assumptions I made about what life was like are not necessarily true. Yeah. And it's it's a bit painful to have those realizations. Right? I yeah, mean maybe is that part of what you were feeling too back then of maybe you're in your head it was only a matter of time until you became famous and a course. matter of time until you were getting everything that you wanted of
1: and then it was a given. It was like not even a question. It was like, this is going to catapult me into f- superstardom. People are going to know me all over the world. I'm going to have the big mansion and the Venice canals. I'm going to have my McLaren. I'm going to do all the things, the whatever, the things. You know what I mean?
0: Which you still want. And this is actually really interesting. I think about this, both when it comes to careers and relationships, which tend to be like our big focuses as human beings. <laughs> Right? pretty much and, and for you and i too very specifically is that you and i a lot of the things that we do revolve around the relationships the loving relationships we have romantic and our careers i mm-hmm. mean that that's like centered around the things that we're teaching the things that we're talking about the episodes like those are kind of like the big chunks in people's lives right mm-hmm. is the American dream is that you get married and you have a nice house and you have kids and you have a career that you like, or you make a lot of money. Maybe, maybe the liking a career thing is not always something that people go after, but they're going after money and whatever version of success. And that's like uh, what a lot of people are aspiring to. And I think something that comes up so much for Jason and I, and will continue to come up in the podcast, is, is getting older and recognizing, well, if I don't have all of those things, does that make me a failure?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then you and I realize, mm-hmm. of course, it doesn't make us a failure. It's just that we're not falling into the status quo. And then it gets to this place of, well, there's really nothing wrong with however your life is turning out. That's just, that's just life. And I think this is also one of the reasons that you and I feel annoyed when people say things like, oh, well, just do this and you'll get that. It's like this idea of hustle, like you got to hustle, you got to grind if you want your dream career. But I think a more realistic and spiritual perspective is we have no clue if we're going to be successful. It's not It's not always, you and I, Jason and I love to manifest and visualize. We believe in that stuff. But coming back to what we've talked about before is this attachment to it. I think that's probably where I'm having some changes in my thought processes is that I think it's just assuming I'm going to get all of those things and it's just a matter of time. And if I just keep focusing on it, it's going to happen. That's all expectations. Just like what you were saying, you were expecting that you were going to have this career. So of course it was heartbreaking. Of course. And then what happened after that for you? Like Your expectations shattered. Did you still have an expectation it was going to happen again in a different form? Or do you still? Or did that shatter you so much that now you have no idea and your whole life concept has shifted?
1: I realized something in the aftermath of that whole collapse. I'll just call it a collapse, right? I realized, A, that in the midst of doing this, you know, healthy cooking show about longevity and vibrancy and joyfulness and comedy and all the things the show was, I wasn't taking the best care of myself. I wasn't sleeping enough. I wasn't really eating the best. I wasn't, you know, working out as much. I, I was sacrificing myself to a message of, hey, you should take care of yourself, except I'm not going to. So the first thing that came through was I was neglecting my own self-care to a degree that probably added to the propensity to feel depressed. And like, it was kind of a perfect storm, right? Because I had laid the groundwork by certain things that I was neglecting.
0: Can you tell us more? Cause I'm also trying to remember
1: what you were doing. You know, I was just, I was busting ass, man. It was that whole thing. It was just like, shoot the series and write the episodes and write the, write the proposal for the book. And I've got sponsors on YouTube and I'm hustling on social media. And like, it was the hard work and the grind, but it was to a sacrifice of my own self-care to a degree. Okay. So the,
0: while, while all the good things were happening, you're saying that you were, you were neglecting your self-care yes, Is that your point. Yes. Okay.
1: So it, it was, it was falling into this idea of if I just grind hard enough and work hard enough and do the things, then the payday will come and it'll make it all worth it. The fame uh, and the payday will come and it'll be all worth it. So
0: in essence, you and were then hustling. The f- and the
1: fame and the payday didn't come. Even and then, despite the hustle. Despite the hustle. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. And I, I 100% agree with you, Whitney. Okay. Like. I have an issue with the pedantic messages that a lot of these coaches and mindset people and millionaire mentors and blah, blah, just just stand, grind, hustle, work, work, hard work, hard work, hard work. If hard work was the key, my grandpa would have been a billionaire. (laughs) My Mm. grandpa was the hardest working mofo I ever met in my life. He would have been a billionaire. So stop with the pedantic messaging of you just got to work hard. Yes. Effort is required. Effort and and focus is required.
2: There's
0: another element of this too, though. Some people might say, Well, maybe your grandpa wasn't wasn't putting the effort into the right things. And then, you know, you and what? I both have experimented so much with quote unquote the right things and the strategies and the formulas. Books, all of that. I've been obsessed with that stuff for years. Those are the sort of things I feel like I need to teach people, right? But as we've evolved, we've recognized you the formula does not work for everybody and no. some people say well maybe you're just not putting enough effort into it because if if you were then you would get these results but mm-hmm. i i have not experienced that so how can i even teach that which is something again i this year i've, I've really been reflecting on, on my coaching and all of that is i think for so long i was trying to teach people Why are you laughing
1: keep going i
2: have an idea
0: <laughs> i was trying to teach people the steps and I, I started to feel out of alignment with teaching that way, yep, and I think one thing that Jason and I are both discovering through the process of creating this brand new elevator, which initially was all about helping wellness entrepreneurs. that was our whole aim with this brand, and now it's evolved into something so much more. but I'm recognizing that that even when I've is Evie still barking? Is yeah, that what I'm she's, hearing? She's
1: muffled. She's a, <laughs> it's a muffled bark.
0: I realized that something that was so common for my students over the years that I've been coaching is that you can give somebody a formula, but I don't think that's what really people need. They think that they want that. And I'm a great example of this. I've been giving plenty of formulas, of checklists, of do this and then you'll get that. But it's very rare that A, I do all of those steps and B, that I get the results that are promised. And I wonder if part of that reason is because you first have to set the foundation of working through a lot of these things that we talk about in these episodes, right? Yeah. And letting go of those expectations. And there's so many things that need to happen before and during those strategies. And then you also simultaneously have to recognize that you may do those st- strategies and be committed to them and follow every step along the way. And maybe you've, you've done all the self-work too and you still might not get the results that you wanted. Or maybe you'll get something better, mm. you know? And the whole point is, is that you just have no idea no. how things are going to evolve.
1: And there are no guarantees. And that, that's, that is a thing of, the expectation of I put the time in, I buy the right course, I read the right book, I follow this person's formula, I I hustle, I grind, I go to the, the whole rigmarole of self development. There are no guarantees. Do you think You're that's not guaranteed part of, anything?
0: Do you think that's part of the reason that you were feeling so upset is because you felt like you earned it and it's your time and you followed all the steps and you did everything and it still didn't work? 100%. It, it's almost as if you were mourning. Again, the expectation, but it was it was as if mentally you felt like a failure because of the way that you've been programmed, right? But of course, you're not a failure mm-hmm. because you those things didn't work out. But at the time, you really, I think, were convinced that you were a failure, right? Of course, or or you were just and or you were you were just feeling frustrated because you didn't know how else to get what you wanted.
1: Mm, I think it was probably both, but but it was this idea that if I just do all of these things and put the time in, and put the hard work in, and the focus in, and put my heart into it, and do my absolute best, success is not just guaranteed; it's owed to me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So so there's a sense it's of your time. Th- There was a sense of entitlement. Yes. That's the mo- that's even more that's an even more insidious mm-hmm. layer to this. Okay, mentally is that I put my time in years in this industry, got my agent, got my manager, got the TV deal, blah, 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 blah. all the things are lined up. Life owes me this. I deserve this, right? It was almost like, you know, this energy of like, I'm getting what's coming to me.
0: So then if you are I'm
1: getting, I'm getting mine.
0: If you had that mentality during it, how did you feel after In, I mean, I, I just kind of brought up some emotions that you've expressed, like the idea of being, being a failure and frustrated. Yeah. But if you felt like I'm owned this, I deserve this, of course I have this, it's, you know, it's my time, I, you know, it, it was only a matter of time till I got this. Was that illusion shattered for you when yeah, all this happened?
1: 100% it was. And, and, and did
0: you feel like a loss of self?
1: Here's what I felt the whole reason i wanted the fame and the money and the recognition in the first place was because i had been walking through life with this idea okay that the deepest trauma that i could experience was was the fractured relationship with my father growing up and that because i didn't get the love approval and attention from him that i so desperately wanted cuz he wasn't present that if i were to have it with money and fame, and celebrity, and influence, that would compensate for what I didn't get as a child from him. So the psychotherapy I had to go into was to excavate why this mental devastation was so deep for me. It wasn't just about what it was on the surface. It was that the chasing of the money, the chasing of the fame, the, the a lot of what this culture dictates as we deify it, like it's good and it's right to chase fame and chase money and want to be famous and want all those things. Mm -hmm. I was doing it as a substitute for what I really wanted, which was to be loved and approved of and accepted exactly for who I was from my dad. And this was just the idea. Well, if I get enough from the public, that'll be the balm. That'll that'll fill the hole. That'll fill the gap. And if I may, I'm not going to say this for every celebrity out there because I can't comment on their lives, but I think part of the conundrum... And part of the reason that we see people so addicted or celebrities committing suicide, because I want to just make a parallel here real quick. Like, at that time in, in 2014, when I was going through my depression, Robin Williams killed himself.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember.
1: After his show with Sarah Michelle Geller that they had got canceled after one season. So here's one of my heroes, my life heroes, who also had his show canceled after one season, killed himself.
0: Are you sure it got canceled and then he killed himself?
1: I believe that's or- correct. hmm I believe that is when
0: they were still filming when he killed himself.
1: I I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't don't know for sure, but my, Mm -hmm. my point is that parallel was so interesting because, you know, we have this idea that again, money, fame, celebrity influence is going to be the medicine to fill up the parts of ourselves that are empty or sad or depraved. And I think it's even more devastating to get those things. And then realize the hole isn't filled up. Yes. So in a way, it was a blessing and a gift for me mm-hmm. to have it happen the way it happened. Because had it happened the opposite, and I got the money and the fame and the celebrity chef and all the crazy stuff that I wanted, and then to realize in the other side of whatever, the mansion and the Ferrari and the McLaren and the women and whatever, whatever, all the crazy stuff I wanted, the emptiness and the void and the, the deep love was still not there. Boy, that is a level of pain. And I think, I think it's rampant. And I think that's why some celebrities take their own lives, get addicted to drugs, because they think all the stuff society told them would fill them up doesn't. And it's, it's devastating.
0: I think that's true with relationships as well. And this is something that I've been thinking a lot about, because I'm fairly certain that I spent most of my life Thinking, I just had to find the right man in the right relationship. It's like, first, I started off just wanting to be in a relationship when I was younger. It's like, when am I going to get a boyfriend? You know? And my very first serious boyfriend, within about a month into it, I remember feeling this sadness I hadn't quite felt before. This was my senior year of. College, I think I date. I'd had a few guys that you know felt felt kind of serious, but they weren't. They were different. This was this was like the first time where I really felt in love. It was I think when I fell in love for quote unquote real for the first time, and it was this experience of another person really caring about me and being very authentic with me, and it was just like it felt like what I thought love was supposed to feel like, mm, right? Mm-hmm. But I also remember about a month in, something fell off to me. And this is, this could be an even longer conversation, but I, we, we dated for, I think, two years. I know we broke up at one point and got back together like a month or two later. And it just, that feeling never quite went away. So then I thought, well, I guess that just wasn't the right relationship. And I've gone and had a number of other relationships, and a lot of them I've had that feeling at some point. And in this moment, I wonder is that just because I kept thinking, well, if it doesn't feel great all the time, then it must not be the right relationship?
2: Mm. Conditioning. But
0: similar to what you're saying about careers, it's not that you get what you want and whatever you think success is. That you're suddenly going to feel complete and whole and this is it. And it's like, it's almost like this idea, at least in my head, that a lot of the pain in life would go away when you got what you wanted. Yes, I think especially with relationships because careers, I think all of us recognize, you know, they're giving us money and they're maybe giving us personal satisfaction, but relationships seem to be the golden Hmm. whatever, golden what?
1: well the brass ring the golden nugget the the, like like
0: everyone's everyone's chasing after that perf in in my head right i'm generalizing here maybe other people don't have this experience i mean do you have you had that experience jason of like feeling like i'm just gonna have to meet the right woman and get married and and i'm gonna feel happy or complete
1: Mm, yeah i have and Yeah, to a degree. Not obsessively so, but I have.
0: Not obsessively. And this is, again, this is new territory for me on on a thought process. Yeah. It just occurred to me fairly recently where I I started to think that I have just been looking for, quote-unquote, the one. Yeah. Right? Is, well, I just need to meet the right person and have the right relationship and things will just feel right. And you'll just know that, you know, all these different concepts. And I have friends who... Who say these things to me now? It's not like I'm just reading some old old relationship advice. A lot of my friends have said these things to me, and so there are moments where I just think, well, I guess I just haven't met the right person yet. But then there's another side of me that thinks, well, what is what does that even mean? Is it that? And then I have these thoughts of maybe I just put didn't put in the work in the right way in those relationships. You know, it's it's incredibly confusing, and I guess my point is. That I don't even, since I've never been married, I don't know what marriage feels like, but I'm kind of, I wonder if I'm like putting all of these fantastical ideas into what marriage is going to be like. What's it going to be like to meet that person and then have them propose or, you know, whoever t- decides to propose. And then we get married. It's not like suddenly my life is really happy all of a sudden. It's like, Yes, there's a check on the list that I've created for myself, but it's similar to what you're describing here with your career. You can check off that box and still feel empty. Yeah. And yeah. that to me is, again, probably why I was crying earlier, because it was like this realization that life is very different than I thought it was for most of my life.
1: Yes. Yes. And your illusions are being shattered. Yes. And I think that when our illusions are being shattered in life, there is a mourning process, a natural mourning process, because our frame on reality is no longer valid. Yep. And then we're lost in the wilderness for a little bit, potentially, because Mm -hmm. we don't have a new frame of reality yet. We're constructing, right? We, We realize that the old way has to die to give birth to the new, but we're in this interesting purgatory, if you will, or limbo of wow, I just let go of this old belief system, this viewpoint of life that is no longer working, that isn't even true. Well, what is true? What is valid? What is real to me? And that can be an exhilarating and also very terrifying place to be because the ground beneath your feet feels like it just dropped out. And you're like, to a degree, not like your your life is over, but like, wow, this way I was seeing life isn't working. It's not real for me anymore.
0: Are you experiencing that with your life too right now or are you referencing back to when you felt this Oh no back past? back
1: then yeah i mean i but mm. but i feel like in small increments as i learn and i grow and i experience life there are small deaths taking place all the time of mm-hmm. like oh this thing i believed this thing i thought was true this thing i assumed this thing i had an expectation about oh i get to let that go yep i get to let that go That's not true anymore. It's a little death all the time, I Mm -hmm. think. And that's good because, you know, life doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, if there's space in life, it's going to be filled by something. It's going to energy wants to move. Energy wants to flow through us. So we release this thing that we believe is no longer true anymore, no longer serves us. It's going to, the space will be filled by something. Mm -hmm. And then I think as we're in this wilderness part where we're exploring what is true, what's truer than that for us. It's a very interesting place to be in life
2: mm-hmm. because
1: we're in infinite possibility then. And I just, I mean, you know, we talk about the beginner's mind, or, you know, we've heard Steve Jobs reference this, Deepak Chopra, Luciano Pavarotti, the, these magnanimous figures, you know, the Buddha. I mean, so many versions of this of like remain childlike, be in the child's mind. And I think there's to a degree a wisdom in that because, and my version of that is I don't know what the hell I'm doing. <laughs>
0: nobody does uh, there's just a cultural illusion that anybody yes, knows and what we're faking doing. it
1: but the reality <laughs> is we're all just taking one step and one foot in front of the other as we go through life but this idea that i know what's happening and i know what's going on the more i live with is like i don't know what the hell's happening it's like i'm born like stage one i'm born middle stage what the hell is all of this i don't know what i'm doing uh, final stage i die maybe i repeat it i don't know But honestly. Some people are like, "Oh, what you Yes, you do. You know. You know." I'm like, "No, genuinely, you're not understanding what I'm saying like from a high spiritual perspective, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm here to learn and be shown and flow. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's weak. Maybe it's a wrap-up sign for I know, the pod this. Evie's too. like, "Wrap it up, guys."
0: Yeah, she so is so I just want to end that happy. by saying
1: like I'm okay with saying I don't know. Because I acknowledge that in each moment, life is evolving and changing. Yes. So and what I, I know now may not be true and probably won't be true in the future.
0: <laughs> and I think part of the the letting go is, is recognizing that that's okay. Is that it's okay if you don't have it all figured out because nobody really does. No. And some people, I think, are just so connected to their ego. And the ego wants you to think you have it all figured out. And so you start to act as if. And I think it actually becomes less painful the more you let go, and that's why surrendering is such a big thing for me. And speaking of surrendering, <laughs> I don't know if anybody can hear
2: this, but we're going to surrender. We put
0: Evie in another room, and she is frantically scratching at the door and whining. <laughs> and I, the she's the closest I have to a child, so I feel like we need to tend to her wishes and wrap up and. And um, continue the conversation in another episode, which we surely will do. This this episode went in a direction I never predicted. How about you?
1: No clue where it was going to go. I'm <laughs> glad had, it went to where it we went, though. We had a
0: conversation before. We're like, let's talk about resistance. And then, <laughs> and then I thought, well, let's just ta- start talking about our friend. And then <laughs> who knows? But I felt like it's such an amazing example of just going into this flow state And being very authentic and transparent with the things that we're experiencing and encouraging each of you to do the same thing. So as usual, we will invite you to connect with us. You can go to our website, WellEvator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. It's in the show notes. The show notes will be on WellEvator.com, but they should be linked to somewhere in the podcast. You can find us on social media we would love to hear from you in whichever context you feel most comfortable whether it's a public message on social media or a private email to us or especially a review we'd love we'd love your perspectives on the podcast as a whole and that really helps other people discover us as well but our aim is to connect with you and bring you into this conversation and hear from you and uh, we look forward to that so until the next time we're wishing you all the very best with your journey and how life is unfolding and now we're gonna go tend to evie who seems like she's desperately she sounds desperate
1: it's treat time mm. walk time
0: this is the thing Poop time. speaking of mysteries we I, don't know I have no i we've we given no her idea. everything we took her for a walk you
1: have everything you need child i
0: say that to her all everything the time Everything you need i know right, well let's go find having out. a having an animal in your life is also a great yeah. mystery so i just don't want her to suffer so we're gonna go get her we right
1: love now. you guys we'll see another episode <laughs> soon